Well, good morning. Man, with this new season of us easing back into in-person gatherings, one thing that we've said uh, for several weeks now is if anybody in your family is sick, uh, to just be careful and to stay at home and to still gather, but instead of gathering in person, to gather online. And that's the case of my family right now. Uh, Grace woke up on Saturday morning and just wasn't feeling well. She hasn't had a fever at all, but we just wanted to be really careful and just to make sure that um, that we're giving just her a chance to get better and everything. And so prayers are appreciated for sure. Uh, we're, we did get her tested and so we'll see what the results of those are, but uh, we're just grateful to be able to gather this way and man, it's different uh, to have this be a part of through screens and online and stuff. It's different, but I guess in Jesus's world, get used to different, right? And that just feels like this season. We're in our second week, our second to the last week in the book of Daniel. So we're going to go through a membership series after we just preach a couple just high-level areas for a couple weeks, and then we're going to go through membership, and then it looks like we're going to go into the book of First Thessalonians for several weeks, but we're still really soaking in the book of Daniel. And one of the things that I think is just amazing is to see in Daniel him thriving in the middle of uncertainty and times when, uh, man, you just don't know what's going to happen. Instead of living in fear, they're actually able to just go for it. And man, that's what I'm wanting us to do and for us to be living in light like they are with their God. And one of the things I think is encouraging in Daniel too is he has a very private relationship with God and he's very public with his relationship with God. And man, I, I think we'll see that today. And that's one of my hearts for our church is that we would have a, a private relationship with God that will root us for a lifetime and it doesn't stay private. Uh, our relationship with God is of a nature. Just if you're a huge fan of something, you can't keep it. You, you can't keep it a secret. Everybody knows like you're a crazy Iowa fan or you love softball or whatever it may be. And that's our heart is that we, we have been so captured by Jesus that it, it has to go public. And I think we'll see that today too. And uh, if we only look at the way that Daniel is mentioned in scripture too, one of the things that's interesting is we never see Daniel sin. We never see Daniel do things that he probably shouldn't have done. You might be like, man, that guy is in a league that's way different than my league because I think he's perfect. And I think Daniel would laugh at our suggestion that he's perfect and uh, he's gonna correct us in that. We get to see today in Daniel 8 and Daniel 9, we're gonna see how to follow Daniel's lead in being a very imperfect person and at the same time as being a very imperfect person, we're gonna see Daniel following a God who is way different from us and having that God change us and use us. And man, I'm gonna pray for that. And I know this is un unusual uh, through a screen and stuff. And so, so could we pray together? Lord, I just thank you for the ability for us to be able to gather together. I thank you that you are the type of God that you see us all at once. You know us all at once instantly. 
even if we're scattered around, Lord, when we uh, are gathered like this, we're gathered as one church. And Lord, I just pray that the technology would fade to the background, that your word, that your presence, that what you want for us today would surge to the foreground, that the things you want to do in our life would surge to the foreground, and that just us ordinary people would behold you our extraordinary God today. Lord, would you change us? Would you teach us? Would you send us? For your glory, we pray these things. Amen. So in chapter 8 of Daniel, Daniel has another vision. It's a private vision. And this time he sees what, what we end up seeing is the rise of the Greek empire, Alexander the Great, and how long it would be until Jesus would come to reign. Uh, the angel Gabriel himself, we've seen Gabriel show up. We see Gabriel show up to tell Mary that Jesus is coming uh, in our Christmas stories and stuff. But here we see that Gabriel comes and Gabriel interprets in chapter 8 the the vision that Daniel had. And then when Gabriel leaves, Daniel is just really processing it. And he's processing what it means. And then in Daniel chapter 9, which is where we're going to spend our time this morning, Daniel is reading his Bible. You might not think of Daniel reading the Bible because you're like, well, didn't he write some of the Bible? And they didn't have the New Testament. Like, what did they have? Well, what they had, they knew that it was from God. They knew that it was God's word. And so Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah, hot off the press. Jeremiah was not an old book at that time. It's kind of hot off the press. Daniel is reading it. Daniel is meditating on it. And he is seeing how it's prophesied that 70 years after Jerusalem is destroyed and they're taken to Babylon, that for 70 years, they're going to be able to go back to Jerusalem. And I think he's like, hey, we're actually coming up on that. And he's meditating on this, looking to the word of God for his life. Jeremiah 25, 11 through 12 is, is where where one area we know for sure Daniel's reading is Jeremiah 25, 11 through 12. So with the technology, we're not going to have the words up here. Uh, you can just jot down if you're in person at the school, you have the Daniel scripture uh, journals that you can write Jeremiah 25, 11 through 12. Look it up later if you'd like to, but I'll just read it out loud. Just receive this. Verse 11 says, This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish, this is God speaking, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. That's Jeremiah 25, 11 through 12. So verse 11 is wrapping up a section, if you're to read before that, which Daniel was reading, it's wrapping up a section where the sin of God's people led them ultimately to being overthrown. It was their sin that led to them being judged and led to Babylon coming and overthrowing them. The land was in ruin and waste for 70 years. While they served the king of Babylon, then, as this scripture says, after 70 years, the king of Babylon and Babylon itself are going to be punished for their sin. Justice 
is going to be served, Daniel's response could have been, yes, yes, they're going to get what they deserve. They have unfairly been cruel to us. I cannot wait for God to get them. Serves them right. Like that could have been Daniel's heart as he read. It could have been fuel. Vengeance could have fueled him. And uh, the enemy of God's people, the enemy who destroyed Jerusalem, they're about ready to get what they deserve. And justice is with God. But look where Daniel goes. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 9. Once again, if you're not there yet, uh, if you could, you could turn there um, or just listen, just sit back and enjoy God's word. Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 3, this is how, where Daniel's heart goes. This is where Daniel goes. And man, I hope it's where we go. And I hope for a lifetime, this heart becomes our heart for rural Iowa. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. He's pleading for mercy. Daniel's pleading for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. He's confessing, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 5, we have sinned and we've done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled turning aside from your commandments and rules. Verse six, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. Verse seven, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that we have committed against you. You would have never thought that's where Daniel was going to go, knowing what he was reading. At a time when Daniel could have been gloating over Babylon, he is actually confessing his sin and the sins of his people. He is pleading for God's mercy. He knows he and his people have rebellion just running through their veins. Rebellion against God and his ways. He also knows the Lord is great and awesome, who doesn't look for ways to separate himself from us. He doesn't look for ways to separate himself from us. He looks to ways to rescue us, to love us, to keep us in him. Seeing Babylon's sin and God's judgment coming made Daniel think of his sin and the judgment that he deserves. That's what he takes to God in prayer. That's what he's leading with in prayer. In the face of the sin of other people, Daniel doesn't... <laughs> Daniel doesn't go all righteous. Daniel looks on his own sin, looks at the sin of his community, 
and for 19 verses. That's Daniel's heart. He's pouring his heart out to God, confessing his sin, confessing the sin of his people. Look how he wraps up this prayer. He says in verse 18, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our, our desolations. Look what we've done. Look what we've made of this place. Look at the mess we've made. And this city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. We don't come being like, hey, let me show you my righteousness. Let me show you how good I am. It's like, no, I don't bring that to you. I'm, I'm actually coming for your mercy. Verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. The reason Daniel is praying is not because of his righteousness, but because of God's great mercy. And I just want to ask us, like, do you think of God? When you think of God, do you think of his great mercy? Do you, do you really, when you're honest with yourself, when you're honest with looking at your story, looking at your past, looking at your present, looking at your future, man, if you picture God and if you like picture his face looking at you, I think most of us think like, man, I bet you he's really disappointed. I bet you when he looks at me, it's just, it's, it's like various flavors of negative. He's, he's disappointed, he's, he's angry, he's frustrated, he's, he's mad. And Daniel's like, I think he is merciful. I think you would see mercy if you looked at his face. And Daniel's not just saying that because like, oh yeah, well, you're kind of perfect, so probably you think that way. What Daniel's showing us is no, like he is not perfect. And when he thinks of God, God rightfully has taught us in his word that he is merciful. And now, yes, he is a powerful God of justice and wrath who calls us to be holy because he is holy. So his mercy does not mean that he's a doormat and we can live however we want. If you reject him for a lifetime, rejecting him will become the greatest sin of your lifetime. It will be a sin that will keep you from him forever. But those who come to him, those who give their lives to him, and we've been having this happening in our community, and it is fantastic. Those who are coming to him, giving their lives to him and saying, I am a great sinner. You are a great savior. I place my life in your hands. Man, our sin continues we, we're following the sinless one now, but we're continuing to sin, and our sin continues to be like fresh shoots that are popping out of the ground, but what we see is that he equally is shooting out mercy in creative new ways as he's teaching us to look more like Jesus and using community, using his word, using the power of his spirit to change us. So Daniel prays, to this merciful God, not just for him, he does confess his sin, not just for his people, but also for the entire community. He calls it God's city. And we, we then see Gabriel 
interrupt Daniel's praying. So here Gabriel shows up and just interrupts him. And uh, Gabriel was with Daniel in chapter 8, and now in chapter 9 he shows up again. And this section that we're going into is incredible, starting at verse 20. And pay close attention here to one of the greatest, most strong, fearful, if you're in his presence, angels, how he talks to a man who's been confessing his sin, the sin of his people, and pleading to God that he would allow them to have Jerusalem back. Verse 20 says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, Daniel's making this personal, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. Verse 21, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. Verse 23, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you. So just picture as he's praying, a word is being sent out. Do we imagine that, that heaven is so interacting with our prayers that as we're praying, a word went out, an, an angel is dispatched. I've come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved, Gabriel says. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. I love that Daniel here in verse 20, before he even mentions the fact that Gabriel came to him, he's first summarizing what he was praying about. And he's saying, I'm confessing my sin. I'm confessing the sin of my people. I'm presenting my plea before the Lord God for the holy hill. He's praying, Jesus, give us Jerusalem. Let us reign there again, confessing his sin, confessing our sin, praying for mission. Then Gabriel comes in the form of a man. And what I love is Gabriel's like, hey, I've come. We've heard your prayers. And oh, by the way, God is crazy about you. You are greatly loved. And man, I think we'd be like, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear as I'm praying that it's like, hey, we're hearing your prayers. We're acting based on things that are happening based on your prayers and you are greatly loved. And if you're like, I would give anything to hear that, God has said that to you hundreds of times in here. He said that hundreds of times in his word that you are greatly loved. You're like, well, no, the person sitting next to me is greatly loved. I am a bad person or whatever it may be. And it's like, man, he, what he has done for you and to rescue you, there is no place you can go. There's no low place you can go where he is not already even lower still to, to hold you and to lift you back up because you are greatly loved. Um, the rest of chapter nine is uh, 70 periods of time. It's about 70 periods of time. So Daniel was reading about 70 years, and then Gabriel's like, I'm gonna blow your mind and tell you about 70 periods of time. And these periods of time are, are a prophecy that is marching out different things that would happen 
until Jesus comes. And we've seen this over, I mean, Daniel could almost be retitled Jesus is coming because of how often almost every chapter comes back to, oh, and Jesus is coming. The true king is coming. The ultimate king is coming. The one who's going to rid the entire world of sin that Daniel, you've been confessing, the one who's going to eat that sin, who's gonna have that sin nailed on the cross, he is coming. And uh, there are so many ways, I think, that Daniel 9 could be hitting us this morning. And I trust that the Lord has already planted some of these words um, from his word, and not fancy things I've said, but, but strong things that are in the word of God that doesn't return void. Trusting that some of that has already been planting inside of you is starting to change you. Uh, but a few areas that I just think possibly he's calling all of us to step into based on hearing Daniel 9, because we don't want to be people that are just like, oh yeah, let me hear a message, and then I'm just going to go on with my day. When we hear God's word, um, we want to be changed, and we have, the, we have the privilege of doing that every week. Now, to get, you know, individually, you, you can be in his word all the time, but corporately, as a people of God, we come together every week to sit under his word, to hear it together, to be changed together, and then to lock arms together to live this out. And so three ways that I've been moved through this this week from Daniel chapter 9 and uh, trusting it's for us as well. Uh, one big question, so it's three questions. The first question is, will you confess your sin? Will you, not just like one time when I put my trust in Jesus for the first time, but continually, will you have a lifestyle of confessing your sin? We see this in Daniel. First John 1, 8 through 10 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's 1 John 1, 8 through 10. I think one of the most powerful things we can do to keep following Jesus closely to keep genuinely loving those around us, not judging those around us, but loving those around us, to keep looking to Jesus to save our community, I think one of the most powerful things we can do is confess our sin, our own personal sin. I think that keeps us growing. That doesn't make us stale, uh, holier than thou. It makes us realize we need him as much as anybody that we're praying for, anybody that we're sharing with. So, you know, it's like, well, if, I, if I'm always confessing my sin, you know, do I need to be pointing out sin to other people? And it's like, God, he can take care of that. Like, yes, there are moments that, that we are to walk in that with a lot of trepidation of first taking the log out of our eye and then helping to, to take the speck out of someone else's eye. Here though, what we see in Daniel is to have a lifestyle where we are confessing our sin. Like if we're just sitting around, a bunch of guys are sitting around a fire pit, and then for whatever reason, someone says, hey, let's take a minute, and just with the person next to you, let's just spend some time confessing our sin. I mean, scripture is like, confess our sin, like that's really healthy to do, uh, because if we can confess our sin to someone next to us, we're probably being real and more real confessing our sin to God, um, because he is the consuming fire. And so, um, and I don't think Daniel would have been like, oh man, 
well, I need some time to think about this. I need some time to process this. No, like Daniel was walking with God in a way that uh, it was clear areas where he needed to grow because he was wanting to grow in his God. And so being close with him allowed him to grow. And uh, man, as we start confessing our sin, I think we start seeing areas that Jesus is moving into our story. It might be our past. It might be things going on right now. It might be things connected to our future. We're continuing to see the areas of our life that don't look like Jesus, pure and simple starting to see more and more areas of our life that don't look like Jesus so that the light can shine on it. We can confess, yes, that's true. Oh, I desperately need you there. And then we can grow. And he is so merciful, gentle, and lowly of heart to grow us. And I think that's one of Daniel's secrets to being used by God over decades was that he had a life of confessing his own sin especially during a time when he could have been pointing out the sin of other people, he pointed to his own heart in private prayer with God. And will, will you confess your sin? So the first is, will you confess your sin? And the second is, will you confess our sin? You're like, that sounds weird. Will you confess our sin? Daniel did this. Like Daniel is confessing his own personal sins, but then he's also mindful that he's a part of a community of people who are desiring to follow God. And he knew how worthy God is to have all of us living for him. And so he wasn't just this like, well, I just need to care about myself. Uh, man, when I say like, would you confess our sin as like a community of people seeking to follow God? You might, like for me, that bucks up against like every American 21st century. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna confess our sin, like if someone else committed it, like they are the ones that are responsible for that and it's on them. And well, we don't see that with Daniel. What we see is Daniel saying things like, Lord, would you just forgive us? Would you forgive the people of Sacred Mission Church? Lord, would you forgive us for times that we don't hear you? Would you forgive us from times that we're not changed as we should? Would you forgive us for times when we hear your word and for whatever reason, we put walls up and we don't follow you. Would you forgive us for hidden sins that we live in and we try to keep from each other? Lord, would you forgive us for times when we should be sharpening each other and instead we're stabbing each other in the back? Lord, would you forgive us? And man, that's like not rubbing people's noses in their sin, but that's realizing, man, we stand on level ground and we have a great savior and I'm gonna confess my sin and I'm gonna confess our sin. And that is going to give us a heart for each other that no one's being left behind here as we walk with the Lord that we're wanting all of us to make it safely home. And so will you confess your sin? Will you confess our sins? And then third, which we see in Daniel, uh, will you plead for rural Iowa? So we don't see Daniel pleading for rural Iowa, but we see Daniel pleading for his hometown. He's wanting his hometown not to be known as a desolate place. He's wanting his hometown to be known as a place where people are shouting the praises of God, where, where there are just people around giving Jesus the worship that he deserves. And man, I love, like, I am so glad I don't live in Babylon. 
I love rural Iowa and I was gone for a while, but like, I'm so glad to be back here and I'm enjoying all the seasons. I love this place and I would love for us to lock arms and follow Daniel's lead and for us to plead for rural Iowa to be a really hard place to get to hell from that there would be a work of God, that there would be just a proclamation of Jesus, that, that people be seeing it done on earth as it is in heaven in a way that, that we would see a revival. And I was actually on the phone this week with a guy, and I was like, I've been in ministry kind of in one way or another for about 20 years, and I've never said this from any place I've ever been. But I, I told this guy on the phone, I was like, I think we may be coming up on a revival in rural central Iowa with just things that we've seen in the last couple weeks and ways that people are responding to Jesus. And would that just multiply? And would we, all of us, just be pleading to the Lord for, Lord, give us rural Iowa? Would we be driving down gravel road, drive past someone's house and be like, Lord, would you give us that home? And would the people in that home, just would that, would there just be a shot coming up of praise that Jesus is worthy of from that home? And would we be pleading for rural Iowa together? Um, man, let's not be spectators. Let's join our prayers for this place. And a huge thing for us is like, we can't do these three things by just trying harder. That's the worst way that we can approach it. We can't just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Uh, what we can do is we can do this by drawing closer to Jesus. He's the head of this church. He calls the shots. He is the one who is orchestrating all the parts of his body to truly be able to do all that he's calling us to do here in rural central Iowa. So man, all of our movements should be like, Lord, do this. Do this through me. Do this in me. Lord, form us to be these types of people. And so, uh, man, one of the ways that we can do this is through communion. And so, so I'll, I'll pray, but then Tanner is going to lead us through taking communion together. Um, and then we'll be sending us from there. So, Lord, I just thank you for the word that you've given us. I, I just pray, Lord, that you are forming us for those uh, who walked in, who started gathering with us online or in person, and they have not given their life to you, Jesus. I just pray right now that they would be all in, that they'd come home running, that they'd be set free by you. And Lord, that, that today would be the beginning of you doing amazing things because you are merciful in their lives. And Lord, for all of us, would you form these things in us? Would we be a confessing people of our sins, personal, collective. Lord, would we, would we just with one voice be pleading to you uh, for the people of rural central Iowa? Jesus, in your name we pray these things. Amen.